Meet Your Maker makes professional-grade grinders, vacuum sealers, sausage stuffers, dehydrators, and just about everything else to turn your garage, deer camp, or kitchen into a meat processing haven. Meat only sells their processing tools direct to consumer, cutting out the retailer markup guaranteeing you the best price. Meat also has the only lifetime warranty in the industry, and Meat ships your tools direct to you for free. Visit MeetYourMaker.com and use code WAYPOINT for an exclusive discount. And get ready to deer IY this fall. This episode of the Flushman Dustin Podcast is brought to you by our sponsors and the hunters who have become patrons. One thing we believe in is keeping our dogs safe while hunting, training, or traveling from one location to another. To help keep our dogs safe in the field, we carry a first aid kit from Gundog Outdoors on our vest in the event our dogs would obtain an injury while hunting. We also carry their water bottle to keep our dogs hydrated to help them perform in the field and during training sessions. To check out these products and other safety gear, head over to Gundog Outdoors at gundogoutdoors.com and use code RINGNEXT to save 10%. As we all know, accidents can happen at any time and that is why we use Dakota 283 kennels to transport our dogs to the hunting and training fields or to wherever our everyday travels take us. These kennels provide the ultimate protection to our dog as they are constructed of military-grade materials developed and tested in the harshest environments. The door into the kennel has a keyed paddle latching handle on it for a peace of mind if we stop to grab a bite to eat and maybe have a cold one with our friends after a good hunt or training session. With a conveniently located handle on the top of the kennel, it makes this kennel easy to lift in and out of our trucks and SUVs. You owe it to your dog to give them the protection these kennels provide. Dakota 283 also provides other specialized gear to ensure our dogs have enough water and food for a full day's hunt and to safely store and secure our gear in our vehicles. So, Head over to Dakota283.com and use code RNR10, that is RNR10, at checkout to save 10%. But, and there's always a but, if you want to receive a larger discount on the Dakota283 products as well as other products to help you enjoy your days in the field and help your dog perform to the best of its ability, become a patron alongside other hunters from around the nation to be rewarded with these discounts and also be entered into special giveaways. Just starting at $5 a month, head over to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com and search Ringnecks and Retrievers to find us. This is also linked in the episode description and on our Instagram page. To learn how we use these products in more detail, head over to our Instagram page at Ringnecks and Retrievers. These sponsors and the hunters that have become patrons is what helps us continue bringing Flushman and Dustin episodes to you weekly and provide you with awesome discounts for you and your dogs. Hi, hunters. Thank you for tuning into the Flushman Dustin podcast brought to you by Nick and Tyler, the boys from Ringnecks and Retrievers. In this podcast, we will talk about guns, dogs, gear, and our successes and failures in the field through our combined 40 years of experience. We speak with hunters just like you from across the nation about their days in the field and the many memories they built with their friends and family. We are excited to have you listen. Now let's get to Flushman and Dustin. Hunters, welcome back to another episode of the Flushman Dustin podcast. We're excited to have y'all come back and check it out. Uh, by the time you guys hear this, it's going to be what the beginning of February. So yeah. here, here in Iowa, all the upland hunting seasons are closed. We still got quail happening right now, but that closes on the 31st and we're sitting here uh, enjoying a nice snowstorm. So Hopefully uh, we don't get too much snow, Nick. I think you're supposed to be in the worst of it yeah. from where we are. But um, yeah, so that's kind of what we're up to. Uh, we do have a special guest on tonight. Oh, we got Edgar. He is also known on Instagram as Hunt Birds. That's B-I-R-D-Z, not with an S. So Edgar, we appreciate you hopping on with us tonight. Um, if anybody knows you, he has wrote some articles for Project Upland magazine some very good articles uh so if you have a chance to check out uh project upland magazine definitely head on over there and uh, read some of his articles but edgar if you could uh introduce yourself why you got into bird hunting um and what's your passion well uh first off i want to uh, say to both of you guys i appreciate the invite and uh, thank you very much for having me a guest 
uh, on your podcasts. Uh, when you guys reached out, I was, I'm always surprised to hear from, uh, from people. I don't know if, um, if I tell a, uh, an interesting story or have an, uh, uh, an interesting background, but, uh, I'm always willing to share, uh, what little I do know, but, uh, thank you for having me on here. So, uh, hopefully, uh, the listeners will get what, uh, you know, what they tune in for. So, uh, uh, just to start off a little bit, uh, my name is Edgar Castillo. Um, I was born in Central America, uh, came to the United States as a young boy. Uh, basically, my father did uh, was not a hunter. Um, he hunted a little bit in, um, in Central America, in the country of Guatemala, um, but it wasn't per se what we know here in the u.s and now did they have birds down there like we do or was it a different type of bird that we, uh, we don't they have they have some um a type of uh, bob white quail oh. uh, kind of if you've heard of the masked bob white quail of mexico uh, kind of like that they have um uh, they have some quail they have um the um the turkey uh the one that everyone it's the 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 one that's always on the end of the bucket list for all the turkey hunters, uh, um, the one it, it's it's a jungle type turkey, okay. uh, so we have those um, jungle then, turkey. <laughs> um, we have a type of uh, pheasant. Um, they have it in southern Texas and Mexico called the chachalaca. Uh, so chachalaca. A, a, a a type of, of pheasant bird, but. There's really not um, a upland hunting culture there. It's uh, anyone that hunts, it's for sustainability, for food, to survive, yep. the indigenous people. Yep. Um, so uh, when we came up here, uh, we settled here in Kansas City metro area. Uh, our neighbor, Tom, um, was working in his garage. My dad walked over and asked him what he was doing. Tom pretty much told him, I'm gonna go duck hunting here here in a couple of days and uh he asked my dad if he wanted to tag along and then a week later my dad was that uh, was duck hunting and that's pretty much how it started off he started off he um he became very enthralled in it he loved it and then i started tagging along and from there it, my passion grew um i think um as all young teenage boys uh, girls, cars, and friends kind of came into the picture in, in a different order. Um, those things became important, so I just kind of backed off on the hunting. Uh, We've all been there. Years. We've all been there. Uh, yeah. So uh, uh, I came back from my first uh, uh, my first deployment from the Marine Corps, and my dad wanted to go bird hunting, and uh, we went. And at that moment, when my dad and I went out uh, just by ourselves, when I came, when we came back from our trip. It, it hit me hard and it's been like that ever, ever since. And, and I, I, we've hunted public land and I just hunt as much as I can really. And what was that bird that when you came back from Marine Corps that you hunted that, yeah, you hooked? Um, pheasant quail. Nice. So, nice. So what's your favorite bird to hunt right now? My favorite bird? Yeah. Uh, a year ago, I would have told you prairie chicken and scale quail. Um, Cause we do have scale quail here in Kansas in the Southwest nice. corner. Uh, but a invite through um, someone I met on Instagram, Dave Mayers in Southern Missouri invited me to come down and hunt Woodcock. And after I hunted Woodcock in Southern Missouri, that is not my favorite bird. And I hunted it again this year and it uh, reevaluated. It, it, it is now my favorite bird. Why is that? What, what draws you to that bird? Is it, is it hard to hunt? Is it fly so fast? It, it's tough to hit. Cause if that's the case. And I'm not taking Tyler with me when I try to go after these. <laughs> uh, it's actually uh, a very, I'm, I'm going to get a, probably a lot of slack from, uh, your, you know, the Northern bird upland bird hunters. Uh, I mean, the, the terrain, the habitat can be rough uh, and nasty and gritty you're busting through brambles and thorns and trees and um, but it's a very slow pace you know you can talk kind of like dove hunting you know very yeah. social affair um, there's not really a, a hurry uh, you're just letting the dogs do what they're supposed to be doing um, obviously you're looking for a certain type of habitat uh, but 
you know, the dog would go on point. We would just kind of meander our way into the, into the thick uh, vegetation and the, the, the woodcock would flush. Uh, if you missed or you didn't get a shot, it would settle back down close enough where you could see, you could work it back up. And if you okay. weren't going that direction, you could always uh, circle back around and say, hey, you know, we can come back and, and hunt it up. But it was just, it was just a different type of hunting. And it's, uh, the bird is very easily knocked down. So it didn't take a whole lot. Um, I don't know, it was just, as soon as my first flush, I was hooked. And this year just reaffirmed that it's it's my favorite bird. Now it may change next year if I go and hunt a different bird. So yeah. Now, do woodcocks sit in? I guess would you call it a covey, or they in in flocks, or they they partner up, or is it usually just one bird? I guess I don't know. I've never hunted woodcocks, so I, I don't usually, know. Usually, usually it's just one. We did have a couple uh, where we had like two or three uh, flush simultaneously, but they I don't think per se they were in a in a covey. Ninety. Five percent, ninety-eight percent of the time, they were okay. just singles. So okay, that's crazy. I, I've never, I don't even know if I've seen a woodcock here in Iowa, like where we've walked. I, I don't know if it's we don't have the right terrain, the right cover. I mean, is it like a woody thicket that? Uh, some... I think yeah, kind of boggy, uh, damp, wet ground. They they're called the birds of the shadows. They okay. like. Um, I heard um, they're a, um, a bird of chance. If you're hunting bobwhite quail, it's not uncommon for quail hunters to, to bump woodcock. I was told that Iowa has a very good migration. You just got to know where they're at and you got to catch it at the exact spot. Yeah. I never, I never knew that they were in Missouri until last year. So it's, hmm. I mean, we were moving a lot of birds. Yeah. Sounds like we just don't know the right habitat, kind of. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. Uh, it's a big part of it. Yeah. I would definitely check into that if you can. So they're, are they considered a, would they be considered a waterfowl bird or an upland since they migrate? An upland bird, but they are, they fall under the migratory bird. You, huh. you have to have a hip stamp. Okay. Uh, to, to hunt them. So like a, like a dove. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I never, never really went after them. That's pretty interesting. Um, yeah. What if do you... I would have just shot one if I would have saw it. It's good to know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Want to have a stamp for it. <laughs> uh, I mean, do you know what a snipe looks like? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it's just like a snipe, a little bit bigger, a little plumpier with a long beak. But the, nice. the size of a quail. Um, but with long beak yeah uh, and i didn't know they were here in kansas but since hunting with dave mayers i've discovered that they are here in kansas in the southeast portion which would align with the uh, southern missouri area where i hunted um, but i've talked to several other bird hunters saying they come through you just got to catch the white migration and it could be really good hunting so it's good to know because for people like you know, us in the Midwest, you really don't have to venture up to the North Woods, um, you know, to chase woodcock. It's sometimes it can be in our, in our own backyard, really. Yeah. Huh. So you, uh, down in Kansas, what's, do you hunt all public ground or do you kind of have some private grounders that? I hunt all public, um, public ground. What's the, so, is there, is it pretty plentiful down in kansas or is there certain parts of the state that you really have to go to 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 find public ground well kansas has about three to four hundred thousand public lands oh when i say public okay. lands i'm talking about wmas wildlife management areas owned and operated by the state on top of that we have 1.2 million acres of walk-in hunting areas, which is private land, opened up to the public for public access. So you're looking wow. at a million and a half, two, mil <laughs> two million, and that doesn't include the federal lands. We've got a couple of federal uh, refugees that that are open for hunting. So I mean, you're looking maybe two million, but it's it's spread out throughout the state. Where I, I think anyone would be 
able to reach or find an area relatively easy yeah if you knew where you were looking for so by the time our listeners hear this episode you will have gone i think i saw today that you're heading to the cimarron glass grasslands is that how you pronounce it i don't know yeah. uh what part of the state is is that in the very southwest corner southwest there, it would be actually we're going to go to a spot where you, you you could stand in three different states you'd stand in kansas oklahoma and colorado oh wow that's pretty and, cool and it's federal it's 108,000 acres so do you have a do you have a license for each of those states then or <laughs> <laughs> We're, we're, gonna, we're gonna be in Kansas. We're gonna be in Kansas, but there is a location where you can go and stand and you know take That's a picture cool. and but uh so but, you guys yeah, chasing it's, it's a big area. Chasing quail down there then or uh that's where the plan? scale quail, scale quail, bob white, and they do have the occasional brewster. Um, nice. they do have they, they do have the lesser prairie chickens, but you can't hunt those because those are on the endangered protected oh yeah so how many so 100 you said 108,000 acres is what it's about of the of the area but that doesn't include the 40,000 of the walk-in that's checkerboarded within the air or in and around the area so it's you're looking at a large piece of land <laughs> so yeah, how, how many days are you going down oh down there for three days three days yeah. how many so in those three days, how many miles do you think you're going to walk? Oh, I'd say easily 10 to 11 plus. Man, Just, do you spend basically all day? Oh, yeah. I, uh, we hunt from sunup to sundown. Man. Nice. That and is... what's – you got a dog, Edgar? I do not have a dog. You do not have a dog. Okay. I do not have a dog. So are you going to be taking pictures of this trip and yep. posting them? And then it kind of switching gears a little bit here. You write articles for Project Upland. Where's your inspiration come from? Like we've seen, you got you come out with a lot of articles. Um, where do you come up with your ideas? And then do you go out and like test your ideas and, and see some of these things that you're doing? And I guess uh, just from kind of browsing at your articles and seeing some of them, just curious about how that comes about. Um, most of them are derived from what my dad taught me, what my father showed me in the field. That's cool. a lot. A lot of it also comes just from me out bird hunting and things pop into my head and say, you know, hey, if I was bringing a bird hunter or I would find this interesting. Um, to give you an example, I wrote an article on, um, on using a pheasant call. My dad talked about it when we were, when I was young, um, uh, we purchased one, uh, we would use it occasionally, we would call, did the roosters respond back specifically to our call? I don't know. Did it work? And did it allow us to work certain fields that where we had received feedback from the roosters? Yes. Was it because of the call or were they just crowing because it was early in the morning or late evening? I don't know. I couldn't tell you. But stuff like that makes me, I start thinking about things like that. And, I, you know, uh, it seems to be an, an interesting topic. So a lot of my topics are just stuff that I, that I was taught, you know, from my dad. Nice. And so do you still use a rooster call? Um, I'm going to in some wrong because that was the last time I used it. Uh, but uh, I, I take it with me and uh, I'll, I'll use it. I'll blow it in the morning and in the evening to see if I get a response. Um, you know, if I hear um, some crowing and then at least helps me. Okay, there's 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 a couple of roosters or at least there's a rooster in this field and then we'll go and hunt it. But you no, know, it's not like a quail call or or a duck call. You're not going to call it and you're going to have two or three roosters come running into your pocket. Yeah, yeah, they, they fly right to you. Oh, hey. That, that would make those things a lot easier for us. So. Yeah. Do you have an article that you've wrote that you can think of that is kind of your favorite article that if someone's going to go, if you're going to tell someone to go look at one of your articles, which one would you, if you can think of one off the top of your head? Um, 
I would all of say, them, right? All of them is a the correct answer, right? <laughs> um, I would say. Um, Have you ever wanted to process your own wild game from start to finish? Meet Your Maker has you covered. Mead makes professional-grade grinders, vacuum sealers, sausage stuffers, dehydrators, and just about everything else to turn your garage, deer camp, or kitchen into a meat processing haven. Mead only sells their processing tools direct to consumer, cutting out the retailer markup, guaranteeing you the best price. Mead also has the only lifetime warranty in the industry, and Mead ships your tools direct to you for free. Visit MeetYourMaker.com and use code WAYPOINT for an exclusive discount. And get ready to Dear IY this fall. There's one that I wrote at, at the very beginning about um, public lands. Uh, the misconception uh, of hunting public lands. I, for me, or for, I hunt with a, a small group. There's four or five of us. Um, and we come across a lot of people that um, don't really favor public lands or um, public lands get a bad rap, you know, as far as not very good habitat, too much traffic. Um, and I don't believe that. I think and just like everything else, you just, you got to put, you got to put boots on the ground. You got to do your, you got to do your, your background checks. You got to do, um, you got to scout. Um, and we have found that a lot of these areas that people are bypassing uh, are just very productive uh, um, bird areas. Um, so that article that I wrote was because someone drove by asked what we were doing and we, we said we were bird hunting he said well there's you know i haven't seen a bird here in like years and he drove down the road and we ended up uh, shooting a lot of quail and a lot of pheasants on on a track that he specifically said it was no good <laughs> and and it was a farmer it wasn't like it was someone who was trying to steer us away from it you know yeah. um but that um when we got back, I, I, jot, I always jot down some notes and I wrote that article and uh, it, it got a lot of p positive feedback. So I just, a lot of these places that people bypass just because they look, they don't look productive doesn't mean that they're not. So I, I would say probably that one. You know, I, I'd piggyback off that. Like Tyler and I hunt a lot of public land too. We've gotten a few more um, private ground spots uh, recently this past year, but mainly Iowa, we've hunted... Uh, all public land, super satisfying. Um, yep. We've gotten limits. Um, you know, it can be tough. You're going to, like you said, boots on the ground. you got to walk. you got to walk sometimes a lot. Um, I know one day this year on public land, we walked about 10 miles, I believe it was. Mm -hmm. um, we just kept trucking all day long. Um, I think we had a pretty good day too, if I remember correctly. But yeah, no, I 100% agree. Um, you know, I, I don't think it gets the 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 justice it should um because I, sometimes in some respects it's more it's more fulfilling because oh, i agree you worked so hard for this bird that could have had pressure all over spot i actually just shot a bird public land this year and it was about a hundred acre field and um two other guys <laughs> ended up joining me in this field and I'm like, oh, my God. And birds, you could see birds were getting up. Well, my dog and I, we kind of worked around the back. I don't know if they chased it that way, but I'll be damned if we didn't get a didn't get a rooster off that public ground. And I don't think they got anything. Because yeah. <laughs> I was in there, I didn't hear them shoot at all. So, And I think that's, you know, we've talked about it on other podcasts, too, is you got you to gotta look for the land that really the people aren't. There's some pieces of land that they're one, they're easy access off the road. They're, you know, easy to walk, um, maybe smaller tracts of land that people just, that just get hammered all the time. And like you said, you know, you got to kind of put in a little bit of homework, do a little background investigation stuff and figure out, you know, people probably aren't walking this or maybe learn to walk it different, you know, and just, really actually put in the time because that's what it takes to be successful on public ground yeah. you know and it is fun when you get when you get a bird off a piece out there because you know a lot of times you have extra flighty birds or you know like nick was saying how many people walk that and you know 
didn't get a bird and you know you were successful in your tactics that you you know took to the field you know i was talking with a, a a gentleman uh last week it was and uh it's got a pretty big owns quite a lot of private ground of his own um said that there is you know not a day that goes by that he couldn't just go drive down his lane to his farm and see you know 100 birds or whatever the case may be um i was talking about inviting him back to iowa next year for a hunt and uh we got some good private ground uh that we invited him on and you know he said honestly i'd rather hunt the public grounds in iowa just because i i know what it's like to walk on my private ground and see all these birds he's like let's get a challenge out of it so having that conversation it it just really kind of turns it and you can see the this perspective of it and it's kind of nice to to know like for us folk that don't own ground we're out there it, it, it's a privilege as well yeah I, I agree i i find it more satisfying i i just like the notion of not knowing what you're going to get into i i, I mean, personally i can walk all day long I mean, seeing birds is great, uh, but if I don't if I don't see any or if I don't get any, I can come home at the end of the day. My wife will ask me, you know, do you have a good hunt? I could say yes, I did. Yeah. Uh, feeling you know, feeling the heft of a couple of birds in, in my bird vest is always a bonus. But uh, uh, you know, I, I've gone out and um, discovered new areas to hunt. You know, just because it doesn't produce birds doesn't mean that there's not going to be birds there at different types of you know times of the day you know they can yep. be using for different for different things but we've we've discovered so many places that you know look birdy and we you know other people said oh yeah well i'll, I'll never come back to that because it's been two times we've we've been there and no birds found well uh you know a week ago um i was out hunting out west and uh, we found some really good spots that are very uh prairie chicken country and definitely you know I dropped a pin on those that I'm going to come back in the early season. I think those would be very, it had everything that they needed. Uh, and uh, I wouldn't dismiss it just because I didn't see any birds, but I, I just, I like the, the exploration part of it, the, the discovery of, of new places, uh, you know, and the more places I mark on my map, you know, that, that's better for me. You know, I think that's something that Tyler and I learned this year. You said um, discovery of new places, for the past couple of years, Tyler and I, you know, we find quote unquote hot spots or good spots. And then every year you think you need to go back there. Well, this year we didn't actually do that. This year, um, I only went back and hunted one of those spots once, never went back, um, and kept moving on. We found some nice new spots that uh, we're pretty happy with. Um, so it's, it's kind of it's kind of neat to start doing that. It, I think it's just a natural the natural flow or the natural drift you you, you find something you like it so you just keep doing right. it and doing it and doing it and this year we actually talked with uh fetching feathers and yeah. it was right before season and he actually kind of inspired us all right we need to be we need to get out there we need to do a little bit more re- research we need to do a little more scouting we definitely need to try more places um and that's helped us um in our upland hunts and our our game and actually learning more about hunting and how to approach fields so much better than I could have ever thought it would. Yeah, we, we make it a point, our group, um, it, the good thing about our group is if I can't make it out, if there's two or three of us can't make it out, one or two other guys will jump in and we make it a point that whoever goes out um, at least finds and works and hunts a handful of new places. Um, excuse me and uh so um we have that going for us i mean it doesn't matter where we go if we go to a certain area of the state that we've hunted before we may hit those those hot spots like you said uh but we always will make uh make it a point to venture off a little bit farther away to look for more possible hot spots and we're really good about that in fact opening day we that, that is a day that three of us um when everyone else is, you know, going to their, their hot spots or their places that they were told to go, you know, to go hunt, we, we go and just look for new places for the rest of the season. And a lot of it is just driving around. We utilize a lot of binoculars. We use uh, binos quite a bit when we're out scouting. And the, you know, the nice thing about 
and we've kind of touched on this about going to these new places is your chance to run into a new species of upland bird is a lot higher than if you just continue to go to a spot where you've had success with, let's say, getting a rooster or just getting a bobwhite quail. You know, scouting these new areas, heading to different parts of different states, you know, that's where you're going to get all these different upland species. And it's crazy to think, you know, when, when Nick and I started this, obviously we grew up in Iowa. So the main things we know are roosters and quail, you know, but we start talking, you know, talk to fetching feathers, now talking to you and talking about squail quail and all these different types of <laughs> sorry did you, a, did you just did you just make up a new species there tyler yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know just like the amount of birds that you can actually chase out there and where those birds will take you like you know just what you'll see in nature and the different views that you'll come across and the different people you'll meet and the parts of different states that you're going to have to touch it you know it's you can really make an adventure out of the yeah. upland game and oh yeah I, I agree with you i mean it's so diverse so eclectic uh i mean you not chase birds in the mountains in the desert in the north woods in the southern uh in the southern states um got kansas iowa nebraska it's got you know a diverse habitat and landscape it's just there's so much out there so much diversity that you could uh, uh, that you could chase and hunt and, and it gives you you know if someone that craves something different all the time bird hunt perfect have you and i don't remember what species this is but nebraska has like the upland grand slam or yeah. something like that i don't know exactly the the verbiage of that um or or the birds i think it's quail pheasant partridge and uh, I don't, I don't know what the other bird is. I think it's five species. It's pheasant, pheasant, bobwhite, prairie chicken, sharp tail. That's what it is. I think, yeah, that's it. Have you done that in Nebraska? Yeah. Have you been no. up there to try that? I, I've, I've hunted Nebraska. I've shot a rooster and I've shot quail. Uh, I've gotten into prairie chickens up in Nebraska, but I've not, I've not hunted the, the Grand Slam. Or the Upland Slam in Nebraska. Yes. This year we're gonna head uh, South Dakota. We're heading farther west, hoping to get into some sharpies. Uh, it'll be our first time, uh, so we're planning. We're planning accordingly. Obviously, there's got to be right. a day of uh, you know scouting for us and and figuring out the different types of habitat. But that's yeah. what's gonna make it fun out there, just to just to try something new. Hell, I don't even know if my dog's gonna know what the hell it is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what is that sloppy thing out there? <laughs> I'm sure they got um, a similar scent, but yeah, probably. Yeah, I, I, uh, I've hunted South Dakota. It's just mainly been for pheasants of several years ago, but, uh, uh, our group is, we've discussed, we've actually gone, we've actually discussed about going to North Dakota because we believe we want to get into, I'll shoot a pheasant in Iowa or South Dakota or Nebraska. It doesn't matter to me. It, it is cool to hunt, um, the same bird in different States, but if you can get, into a different type of bird that's even better i'm kind of like with you yep. but uh, north dakota seems uh more um that we can get into pheasants sharp tails and we want to get into some hunts and that's yes. where i talked to uh, uh um, a couple of people from iowa about going up to iowa and chasing hunts because i keep on hearing people are shooting them we know, shot one this year and i It'd be cool to go to Iowa and say I shot a hunt. Yeah, we it got up and uh, somebody yelled quail, and I was like, "Why ain't no fucking quail?" <laughs> so I didn't, I didn't shoot. Right. I was like, "What the hell is that?" But I could hear it making the making like its whistles. noise. Yeah, making its noise, and I was like, uh, And then uh, Josh, who was to my right, he shot, and then I shot. We ended up getting it. Uh, I think off those two. Sh- Shots. Yeah, but uh, yeah. So it was. <laughs> at first, I was like, I watched it fly by. I'm like, ah, I don't know. Um, <laughs> yeah, we ended up shooting it, and that was our first. That was my first ever experience uh, with a hun. Uh, so it was pretty fast. cool. Are they fast? It was yeah. fast. It was very yeah, fast. And they. Uh, so we had a guy after we hit that one. Uh, we posted on Instagram. 
about getting it and there's a guy that lives up so it'd be north of cedar rapids about an hour and a half from, from me uh, black hawk county area waterloo waterloo area. yep um that contacted us and he actually went out and i think he uh, it, him and a couple buddies went out and they got five or six of them in one day um yeah. the same day that we got ours so they're oh, definitely yeah. definitely around uh but I, you know i think you got to know the right area like you said to to yeah. get on them and i think obviously up there must be pretty decent you know that they're coming back but how many species have you got on down there this year in kansas um i've shot pheasant obviously bobwhite quail i've shot um, quite a few prairie chickens uh snipe and then my goal is to for this season before it ends is to get it uh, another scale quail i've shot scale quail before in kansas it's just been a while um and um, uh, this upcoming season, my goal is to get a, a Kansas woodcock. Uh, nice. So as, as far as Kansas is concerned, I've shot all of them except for the Kansas woodcock. But I've shot them all. Is there a, a difference between the Missouri and the Kansas or is just you haven't no, shot one just, in Kansas? Yeah, just I, I want to shoot a woodcock in Kansas. Okay, so that makes sense. Huh. Yeah, that... That's one thing that's cool about, you know, I think, I think Iowa has a decent diversity of birds. You know, I mean, we got for upland this year, we got pheasant quail and a partridge. Um, you know, we have also, if anybody's in the waterfowl that, you know, we got a decent, um, decent migratory fly. track, you know, so yep. it's, I think for our crew, the ringneck and retriever crew, um, we were able to bag eight different uh, types of birds this year. So we had, um, for waterfowl, we had geese, mallard, wood, uh, wood duck. And then for upland, we had dove, Hungarian partridge, um, quail, pheasant, and then missing one. But I don't remember what the, um, oh, teal for the other waterfowl yep. one so i mean you know it's pretty cool you don't have to travel too far to get into a di lot of different types of birds but i think it'd be fun getting into a sharpie or oh, yeah. you know, something of that nature i think those would be now, a fun bird doesn't i've heard that iowa the northeast corner very small numbers but there are rough grouse i've done a little bit of research and that, it's it's the same area where there's they have like really good fly fishing and trout streams. Yep, up that would like decor area. Yep. yep, I haven't heard that about uh, the grouse up there, but I mean, I know not to, it's not to say there's not anything up there. Yeah, I know my grandpa has talked about it when he was, you know, younger, getting yeah. into a good number of them. Um, but I. I got a couple of friends that live up by like the Decora area, which is where the upper Iowa river is and some good trout. There's some really good trout fishing up there, but, um, and they pheasant hunt. So I don't know if they've ever run into any of them or not, but yeah, that'd be pretty yeah. cool to run into one. Yeah. I mean, I, it's probably been a good five years where I heard stories about that. And, and it's exactly how I started someone had whispered in my ear about scale quail in, in, South, in Southwest Kansas. And, you know, I, I'd never heard of, about it. I asked my father, he had never heard about them. Uh, almost everyone I talked to had never uh, heard that they're other than Bob White quail in Kansas. And I just, I researched literally for a year, uh, I called the ranger down there and he said, by gosh, we have blue quail. They're hard to hunt, but they're down here. And then ever since then, and, you know, that led me to writing that couple of articles on scale quail in Kansas, but I'm talking, you know, that's what's so cool about it is, you know, sometimes you got to, if I was up in Iowa, I'd be all over <laughs> looking for trying to find some rough grass up in the Northeast. Of course, I'd probably find someone and, you know, what are you doing up here? I'm chasing rough grass. Well, there's, you know, there's there's, there's, there's none up here <laughs> but, but stories like that intrigue me and that causes me to dig I farther know, I, I, I would go up there what, uh, 
how how did it come about that you decided or got asked or whatever the whatever the process is to write for um project upland um it was basically it was just by accident um uh good accident i I, i've written for 25 plus years because of work um obviously it's a a different style and different form of writing uh because i i quickly learned that my wife uh is a journalism major and she used to write for um, newspaper magazines and oh, nice. uh, when i was when i was asked to write an article uh she looked at it and she basically said uh you know i i'm, I'm not writing an, an investigation um um type of report you know um and so i had to change my 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 style of writing but uh i had posted some photos and someone uh, from Project Upland, AJ had asked me, hey, do you mind sharing some of your thoughts and some of your knowledge? And I said, yes. I told him, hey, I don't, I don't have any background in writing, no edu- you know, not educated in, in as far as writing. And uh, it just kind of opened the door. And I just kind of used my experiences and my, my upbringing with my, with my dad. And uh, just from there, um, I guess people have liked what I've, I've written. I mean, I, I've, I've written quite a few for them. And from there, I was able to, I've written for Quail Forever and Pheasants Forever, a couple European journals and uh, a couple other e-magazines, I guess, if you want to call. I got some stuff coming out for Rough Grass Society here in the spring. Um, so uh, yeah, I, I I've really enjoyed it uh, because when the season ends, I'm still writing about it or and reliving it. Um, and I've also met uh, a lot of new people that are interested in writing and I'm trying to help them get started because I, I wish I would have known someone that would have been able to help me when I first started. Cause I had a lot of questions and I just researched everything on my own and just taking it from there really. How long have you been writing for uh, Project Up Plan? Three years. Three years. You know, I've always... I mean, go ahead, Tyler. No, nope, you go ahead. I, you know what? I, I was going to say... Uh, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say the power of Instagram. So I am, and everybody that listens knows I am not an online guy. I'm, I'd much rather just be out in the field doing my thing, talking with people. Um, but... Instagram, social media, whatever you want to use, it opens new worlds to you, um, you know. And I didn't realize how that worked until Tyler and I started doing this. And now we, you know, we get to meet you, Edgar, and right. use you on our platform, and uh, vice versa. It, it's pretty fascinating. I think the Upland world is is starting to grow, which is exactly what we want. And I think people are appreciative of um, people like you. Um, and Tyler and I for trying to bring that type of information to the public about conservation, about helping, uh, about different areas of hunting, different types of birds. Um, so it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. So just piggybacking off what you said, I think it's, I think it's fascinating and you, it's kind of dumb luck and you kind of fall into it and it's like, oh man, I love doing this. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I'm, I'm very private. Um, but, uh, as I told, uh, Tyler, uh, I got into the Instagram because of my daughters. Uh, you know, we wanted to know what they were doing. And, <laughs> and uh, uh, don't blame me there. <laughs> uh, they're the ones that came up with the name. Uh, they're the ones that told me, hey, you need to check this out about upland bird hunting. And it just it kind of grew from there. And uh, I had told uh, Tyler that my oldest told me, if you're going to do this, do something different. Don't be like everyone else. And yep. I took that to heart and that came with the, with the photos. Um, and I just started, you know, putting down words of my experiences. And then I think, I think that's what probably caught the eye of AJ or and other people that have asked me to write and said, Hey, would you mind writing, you know, a couple of things for us? And it just, like I said, it's, it's grown. And I met so many, so many people um, through social media. I mean, people now that have become very close friends. Uh, I'm heading to Arizona next week with a, a fellow Marine. Um, my buddy and I were uh, a year ago, we were going to go to Arizona and I shot something out. 
um, not per se looking for a, a, a particular spot, um, but just information on like how to hunt gambles quail because I had done some reading, but it's always good to get firsthand knowledge. Yep. And by the time I landed, by the time Hutch and I landed on the um, there in Phoenix, we had like 12 invites saying, hey, let's let's meet up for dinner. And if you guys want to go and hunt, uh, we ended up going with uh, Spencer because he, he was a Marine. I was a Marine. So we had that connection. And uh, um, I mean, he he took a weekend off to take us around. And, you know, now we're, you know, we text and email and call and talk to each other, almost, you know, weekly. And, uh, you know, I'm staying with him. Uh, and it's just, you know, people like that, you know, yep. with you, guys, um, you know, um, uh, meeting you guys and it'd be great. You know, if you guys ever, you know, come down to Kansas, uh, uh, let me know. I, you know, love to take you guys out and, and share a feel with you guys, but it's just the interaction. And plus the Upland community has been, it's my, my, my point, um, it's just, they're very open. It's yes. sharing information. That's what yep. I have come across. I mean, I would agree. I mean, I think uh, Tyler and I want everybody to be successful. Um, you know, you get a first-time hunter out there, and they all they do is walk for, you know, six, seven hours in a day. That might be the worst thing if they don't see a bird, and they're like, all right, I'm not doing this ever again. Um, so we want to help people get successful, be successful, find spots. Um, you know, that's what it's all about. Um I love it. I think Tyler it's, loves it too. It's amazing just the <clears throat> quality of people that we've from doing this podcast and like, you know, we put ourselves out there as, you know, it, you know, obviously we don't know everything and that's what this podcast is for is one we gain knowledge off it because we get to talk with, you know, guys like you, guys like fetching feathers, just all these people, you know, that have had multiple different experiences and you know you get to bring that to the forefront and I, I i know i think it's just so much fun meeting high quality individuals that share a passion for the uplands and you know they like you want people to be successful in the you know out in the public lands and have successful hunts and i just i think it's pretty awesome um so what's uh give us a story of one of your one of your favorite hunts that you've had Man, it's probably um, too many to think of. <laughs> oh, I would say favorite hunts. Uh, at the top of my head, I would I, I would say the Arizona one, and the reason is because it was not what I was expecting. Um, like I said, uh, Hutch and I did our research to go to Arizona last year. We watched YouTube uh, channels. Uh, we read articles. Uh, I envisioned hunting desert quail in the desert. So to me, that encompasses somewhat rolling hills interspersed with cactuses and <laughs> a lot of thorn, right? I mean, I think yeah, I mean it does. It, it does. Rattlesnakes, I don't know. <laughs> uh, well, uh, Hutch and I landed in Phoenix. We were hunting in, within two hours. Uh, and uh, we met Spencer and he, you know, he said he's going to take us out. Well, the next day uh, we drove and I remember looking at Hutch saying, man, this does not look like what we've been watching videos. So basically we, we were in the mountains um, and I'm in pretty good shape. I'm, I'm, I'm 50 years old, um, especially for, the assignments that I had for working, um, I'm in pretty good shape. And um, that hunting kicked my butt. Um, <laughs> and we were shooting, we were laughing so much. I mean, dogs were going on point on a, literally on a, on a mountainside. And I'm holding on with leather gloves, trying not to grab something that stick me or poke me holding my shotgun trying to get off a shot and then just <laughs> careful not sliding down and we, we were just it, it was a good time we shot birds but we we did uh we, we did a lot of laughing and when we would get to certain areas we'd look at each other 
and said, man, this, this is tough, but it was, it was memorable. Uh, this time is not going to be like that. That's what, that's what Spencer told me. He said, we're going to be hunting the typical desert, not, not the mountains, but it, it, it was, uh, yeah, it, it was sketchy some places where I had to grab onto things and make sure my foot my footing wasn't going to take me down to, you know, down to the bottom of a ravine or a, 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 a wash. But, I had no idea. Yeah. So if, some, if someone tells you if someone tells you they're gonna take you go hunt desert quail in the desert that could mean several things so be <laughs> but, uh, it's fun uh that's awesome so well edgar uh we usually try to keep them a little bit under an hour so we definitely appreciate you coming on um yes. talking about your writing talking about what you got what got you into bird hunting um obviously your great upbringing from your father it's pretty cool um but we Nick appreciate I, your service and yep. all that as well so thank you very Thanks. much for that yep. um, we look we will forward have a hunt yeah yeah and we look forward to reading some of your articles and project upland and uh obviously continue following you on instagram thank your daughters for that so <laughs> But. I appreciate it. And I, I do. I, I thank you guys uh, um, immensely for having me as a guest. And like I, like I told you, Tyler, uh, you know, I don't, I don't like talking a lot about myself, um, but hopefully you guys got what you're looking for. Um, but yeah, definitely. Or on, on a side note, if you got, like I said, if you guys are ever um, have an idea of coming down here to, to Kansas uh, and if I can't meet up with you, um, I don't see why I wouldn't be able to now that I'm retired, but, uh, unless I'm out hunting farther West, but yeah, you guys let me know and, uh, I'll put something together and, uh, we can meet up and I'd love to take you guys out, show you, um, uh, I may blindfold you if we go to certain spots. <laughs> but, uh, it's all right. It's all right. Uh, but yeah, just let me know. And, uh, uh just think of it as a, uh, as a open invitation and, uh, we've, we've got the accommodation. We can, we can take care of everything and just let me know when you guys are wanting to come down and we'll, we'll make it happen. Awesome. Same here. When it, if you ever want to get to Iowa, let us know. Um, uh, it'd be an experience to try to go, uh, Northeast Iowa and try to get some of those grouse haven't done it so it'd be an you know it'd be an adventure for all of us yep. now, plus my parents live up that way so it's it's pretty easy up there for me i, I will hold you to that because i will <laughs> I, i'm that person that will you're going to get a, an email or a text from me and you know, so i was I, I i'm being serious about coming that's out. fine let's oh. do it let's do it we'll do some research I like get, it. Some, get some spots figured out so yeah awesome well Edgar, have a good night. We appreciate Thank you it. Very much. Hopefully you get some snow. <laughs> yeah. I'll send yeah, some I'll send some my, Yeah, I'll send a truckload down. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate it, guys. Thanks All for right. having me on.